Hello, I'm Dee Decker, Director of Communications at Bear Grass Christian Church. Thanks for listening. I want to let you know right away that we have just dropped the first episode of a conversation I have on race and justice with my dear friends, Reverend Tracy Simmons and Reverend Marsha Mays Burton. In this episode, Tracy and Marsha talk about their experiences as black women in the church and the world. You may remember me mentioning them in the episode with Reverend Rob Schrader about race and privilege. Tracy and Marsha reached out to me after that episode and asked if they could give their perspective. You don't want to miss this honest, raw and revealing conversation. Last week, we began a new sermon series called Lost and Found, which will run through the end of October. In this series, we focus on the stories from Luke 15 through 17 and continue to think about what a spirit-filled, spirit-led life looks like. Now, to go along with our lost and found themes, I talk the Enneagram and Finding God with Nina Maples. Nina is a certified Enneagram instructor, a spiritual director, and a retired minister. You're not going to want to miss our conversation about how the Enneagram has led her back to a deeper understanding of God and others and a path to finding her true self. Those episodes will be dropping on October 10th and October 25th, so be sure and stay tuned for those. This week's text is the second of three in the lost and found parables found in Luke 15. And even though the parable of the lost coin is short and sweet, it does have some unique things to tell us. How did the coin get lost? Why was it so urgent to find it? Why was there such joy at the end when the lost coin was finally discovered? So much joy that the woman told her family and friends about it. Lots to think about in this parable. Here now is Dr. Lee Bond. We've got a short video to share. It's not about a lost coin, but it is about a lost uh, thing of value. Let's see if it works. Last year, Drew Husky and his wife Emily were enjoying a vacation in Canada. It was a winter wonderland. They didn't even mind getting stuck on the side of the road. Then, a major mishap. Emily lost her wedding ring. It slipped off as she was brushing snow from her coat. I started digging, and the only thing that we had was like a little bitty, like a tiny little ice scraper. The snow was just coming down way too hard. They gave up searching after two hours. Fast forward eight months. Spring came to North America, and with it, the thaw. Drew hatched a secret mission. He told his wife he was going to Montana. Instead, he returned to Canada where he got two local volunteers to join him. And with metal detectors, they all went searching. And we swept the area for about two hours, two and a half hours or so. Then Eureka, they found it. And I turn around and poof, there it was. And I went crazy. When Drew returned home to Missouri, he didn't even tell his wife what he had done. Instead, he said it all in a letter. Emily's tears say it all. <laughs> That's a lot of trouble to go to to find a ring, don't you think? 
Or you may have also seen a a recent Facebook post, which has gone viral by now. Uh, Ellen shared it with me, but uh, Jenna Evans describes how she lost her engagement ring. It all started during a dream or what turned out to be a nightmare. Uh, She and fiance Bobby in her dream were on a train and they ran into some bad guys. And Bobby said, swallow your ring to protect it so they can't get it. And so in her dream, she put it in her mouth and swallowed it. Uh, Next morning, she woke up and that ring was not on her hand. She knew immediately where it was. They rushed to the emergency room. X-rays confirmed that, yes, it had uh, gone through the stomach and was into the intestines by now. And rather than pass it on, so to speak, they um, decided to perform an endoscopy and retrieved that ring A 2.4 carat ring will rough you up a bit. Uh, She said, I could feel it in my guts. It began to hurt. And that ring was retrieved and given to the fiance. Uh, She said, we're still getting married, though. It's okay. It's all right with the world. But there you go. A lot of of lost and found stories. Uh, And this week's text describes another woman's gut-wrenching Story. She doesn't swallow something valuable. She, you know, it becomes lost. And this is the second of three uh, parables in Luke 15. And Luke links these parables together so, so skillfully and well and, and conveys the good news in powerful ways. Uh, but we preachers uh, tend to lump the first two together, especially since the second one is so short. We kind of lump them together. But I think that does a, a disservice to the second parable about the coin. And so I'd like to spend a little bit more time on the perspectives it offers us today. And as I mentioned last week, these these parables are often mislabeled in the negative sense. They, They are positive stories. They're remarkable stories of the lost being found. And so we want to recognize them as celebrations of great joy and and God's great uh, love and uh, forgiveness for all of us. Let's take a few moments to ponder the parable this morning. Most of us have lost something valuable, uh, but Jesus had a gift in his teaching of taking familiar human situations and and, uh, teaching us how to find God in all of those kinds of normal stories. In the parable, the woman loses not a ring, but a coin. And it may be difficult for us to relate to all of that uh, because our coins, for the most part, are, are so, um, you know, they're, they're worth so little. It's hard to imagine going to all that kind of trouble uh, that the woman went to to retrieve one coin. And if you know much about the coins, they were very small coins. Uh, maybe our children get it more than we do sometimes. I like the story about the little boy who was sitting in worship with his grandfather one Sunday. And uh, uh, during the uh, offering, uh, they had a discussion <laughs> and their whispering began to be heard by the whole congregation. Uh, Grandpa had given the little guy a dollar coin for the offering. And uh, the little guy had other ideas about where that coin was going to end up. And so when the offering plates began to come around, uh, that little boy held on tightly to that coin, a determined fist, and Grandpa was shaking his little fist over the plate, you know, saying, let go, let go, give the money to Jesus. The boy said, pointing to the preacher up front, is that Jesus up front? And Grandpa said, no, no. Jesus was taller. (laughs) 
not let go. <laughs> Needless to say, the congregation uh, laughed hysterically and worship was over at that point. Uh, the coin in the parable is undoubtedly more valuable than we expect. So, so we wonder how it got lost and why it was so hard to find. But we, again, we realize in, in the typical Palestinian peasant home, it would not be difficult to lose a small coin. Uh, there were no picture windows or skylights or, uh, you know, light bulbs, uh, just maybe just one small circular opening in the dwellings. There were no beautiful hardwood floors or, you know, the floors were really just packed down dirt with reeds and rushes and, and and, uh, and, you know, these were all definitely HGTV fixer uppers. I mean, tough stuff. The, the lost coin literally became uh, a needle in a haystack in terms of the search. And, and scholars suggest other reasons for the urgency of the search here. Uh, certainly some value to the coin, but it, it may have been a part of a, a wedding or bridal headdress and, and the sense of co- completeness of having all 10 coins uh, was very important. The headdress was also almost the equivalent of, you know, a wedding ring. Even today in the Middle East, there are headdress ceremonies uh, where the bridegroom's family uh, presents the bride with a headdress with the 10 coins, and uh, that becomes the property of the bride. It becomes some financial security in times of stress. Uh, also, Kind of a good luck charm, if you will, was supposed to bring health and happiness and goodness uh, to the family. There are a few other things, I think, that make this parable unique. We need to notice, I think, the star of the story. Uh, The shepherd last week and the father uh, in the next parable are stand-ins for God. But who becomes the stand-in for God in this story? You know, it's the woman it's the woman who seeks. It's the woman who searches. It's the woman who finds. It's the woman who celebrates. And everyone in the crowd would have understood the story, but I wonder if the women in the crowd perked up a little bit as they heard Jesus tell this parable. It's me. It's me. I can understand it. I, also, the coin gets lost through no fault of its own. It doesn't wander off like the sheep did last week. It, it doesn't run away after taking dad's cash like the prodigal son. It, it, just, it just happens. It gets misplaced. We also need to go back to the early part of chapter 15 and think about what prompts Jesus to tell these parables. Who is coming to listen to Jesus? Well, Tax collectors, sinners, all your favorite kind of folk, right? The religious authorities were not real happy about all this. And so the scribes and Pharisees were grumbling and groaning, accusing Jesus. This Jesus fellow welcomes sinners and he even eats with them. Can you believe it? And so Jesus tells some stories about God's grace and love and forgiveness. Jesus is trying to offer radical hospitality to these folks who need a little good news. And what happens? I mean, he gets, he gets hammered. He gets hammered. I, I, we probably know what it's like. You know, it, it's hard to try to do the right thing. If we stand up or speak up in love about something that's important to us, we will often be criticized. And if we hold back in fear... And do nothing, we will often be criticized. So we get it both ways. But, but criticism can bring out either the worst or perhaps the best in us. 
when Jesus gets blasted here, he brings out some of his best stuff. I mean, Luke 15 is one of the best chapters in the Bible, one of my, one of my favorites. He shares these remarkable insights about the nature of God. He offers these powerful illustrations about God's love and forgiveness and grace and mercy. And imagine, imagine you're in that crowd that came to hear these stories told for the first time. Imagine that you had felt separation from God. Imagine that you felt you were unworthy. Imagine that you felt that you did not deserve God's love. Imagine that you're hearing for the first time, yes, God loves you. God forgives you. God wants you to come home. Imagine the joy of hearing that kind of message. And surely there must be a, a message for us, a sermon in here somewhere. I, I, I don't know. If, if the shepherd and the woman and the parent are stand-ins for God, then the sheep and the coins and the children are stand-ins for people. So perhaps we are reminded about the responsibility we have to take care of the coins or take care of the people who are precious to God first, certainly us as well. That naturally begins with our family, right? And our friends, our church family. But then it has to extend beyond those circles to unfamiliar folks or people we don't know. Some of you have done that amazingly well through your mission and outreach efforts, and I give thanks for your ministry. But sometimes those folks are sitting right next to us on Sunday morning, and so we've got to pay attention. As Jesus' followers, we are to live in the Spirit and represent Him and the church well. We don't want to cause others to, to get lost, to be driven away. Every day people come to our church, Sunday through Saturday, every day people walk in this place. And the way we treat them determines whether or not they will come back. One of the most painful things I hear is when someone who's been our guest for the first time says, no one spoke to me. No one spoke to me. It doesn't happen very often, but it happened a few weeks ago, and I, I just it pains me to hear those words. And so we've, we've got to pay attention. We've got, to, we've got to notice. And then personally, I wrestle with other kinds of questions. You know, is there anybody who's not in church because of something I have said or not said or something I've done or not done? Fortunately, because of you, there are so many positive stories to tell. We have a wonderful woman and her two children who are part of this church family because of one of our welcome team members who wasn't afraid to get wet. This woman who visited had just gone through a painful divorce. She'd been depressed for months and finally felt the urge, the need to get reconnected to God and the faith community to get her kids back into Sunday school and worship. And, and so she came and parked in one of our visitor parking spots out there. And just as she turned off the car, guess what? You know, it just started pouring. I mean, it just started raining like crazy. And so she sat there with her two young children, no umbrella, and she thought, there is no way we're getting into the building without getting soaked. She told the girls, we'll wait, we'll come back another time. And then 
that she heard a gentle knocking on the window of her car and someone had run to get some umbrellas to bring them to her and they got all in the church and those people have stayed and have become an important part of the church family because of that simple act of kindness, a willingness to get wet. If our welcome team member had not done that, perhaps they would never have come back again. Three precious coins of God lost from this place. And, and thanks be to God, there's so many more uplifting stories that can be told. In fact, uh, uh, many are told in this new book, which is available now to you as a gift. The story of Beargrass Christian Church, its times, its people, there are copies by the welcome desk. They are free to all members and friends of the church family, so pick one up on the way out if you haven't done it. But several years ago, Mike Puckett, our, our resident historian, uh, accepted the challenge of updating the history of this uh, church family. This was a huge labor of love from uh, Mike, and God only knows how many hours he spent reading and writing and researching and gathering pictures and matching them up to the timelines in the gathering space. It was a, an immense labor of love. But the book, the book turned out to be even better than we expected. As I told the members of the board last Monday night, after I read the book, tears filled my eyes because I had this immense sense of gratitude for all of the people who have gone before us, who have allowed us to be here in this place at this time. Every name in the book is a precious coin in our church's history. And can you imagine if some of those names, some of those people had never become a part of the family here? How different would this place be if there had been no Dr. Lawrence, if there'd been no Dr. Van Ostrand, if there'd been no Reverend Mary Beth Guy, no Mary Lou Henry, no Malcolm Bentley, no, you know, on and on and on, no you. I also felt this sense of deep inspiration to keep the Beargrass story going, and I hope you'll embrace that as well. Because who knows? <laughs> you know, who knows? The next person who walks through our doors, the next person you welcome to this place, could make a positive impact on this church family for decades to come. You never know. Last week, I came across a couple of profound definitions <laughs> Uh, moved by the good news in these parables in Luke 15, someone said, the church, the church is the, the largest lost and found department in the world. <laughs> thought that was pretty good. Another person said, God, God is the tender care that nothing be lost. And we've heard Jesus say once again, when the lost are found. When the lost are found, there is great joy in heaven. Thanks be to God. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Dr. Bond from our Lost and Found series. In upcoming sermons, Dr. Bond will be examining finding our priorities, our way home, our faith, and finding gratitude. 
As always, thanks for listening, and we would love to see you around the table at any of our weekend worship services, Saturday at 5.30 or Sundays at 9 and 11. We're located at 4100 Shelbyville Road in the heart of St. Matthews. You can find all of our worship times, our location, and upcoming events on our website, www.beargrass.org. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you like what you're hearing, you can hit that donate button. All gifts go to further the mission and ministry of Beargrass Christian Church. Until next time, friends. Peace.